And uh, God willing, I remember how to preach. It has been four weeks since I have preached in this pulpit on a Sunday. And uh, in 11 years of ministry, I have never not preached that long. But the pulpit committee put me on probation or something, I don't know. But hopefully I have filled out all the correct paperwork and I'm permitted to be here again today. But I do feel very strongly what the Lord has laid on my heart today. I don't know if I'm going to convey it as I ought, but I'm going to try my dead level best. But I do believe I have a word from the Lord for this church. Philippians chapter 4 in verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord sometimes. When it, rejoice in the Lord on even days. Rejoice in the Lord some days. Now we rejoice in the Lord always. Now if that wasn't quick and concise to the point, Paul says, and again I say, someone say again, I say rejoice. I'm going to preach as fast as I possibly can about again faith. Again, faith. Let's ask the Lord to talk to us for the next couple of moments. Jesus, thank you so much for bringing us together. I believe, Lord, this is ordered of the Holy Ghost. I believe, God, that you are in these next few moments. I pray, Jesus, that you would give me a mouth to speak your word clearly. I pray I'm obeyed and submitted to your will and to your spirit. I pray my flesh does not get in the way. I pray doubt, fear, Lord, intimidation does not have any footing in this room. But I pray, God, we are open, yielded, and surrendered to the power of the Holy Ghost. And someone say, in Jesus' name. If you're excited to hear the word of the Lord, would you clap your hands with some extra energy? And would you shout unto God with the voice of triumph if you believe you're on the winning team? Amen. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. To rejoice is right. If you don't do it right at first, it's not right either to abandon it altogether. Sometimes when we make an attempt to do something and we know that it's the right thing to do, but we fail at doing the right thing out of frustration, out of just uh, annoyance, out of uncomfortable uh, uh, doing it not prior to that moment, we sometimes tend to abandon it altogether. But I'm here to let you know, if you don't do it right, it's not right to abandon it altogether. And if you do it right, don't stop doing it. Rejoice always. Again, I say. See, the reminder is to prevent the removal. Because we can do something right one time and celebrate it and then not do it again. We might pray tomorrow and it might be the most mighty, awesome prayer meeting we have on a Monday. But if we don't do it again, we are going to have it removed. And if it is removed, then we are not going to accomplish what God wants us to accomplish. So when Paul says rejoice in the Lord always, he emphatically places and again, again, this reminder is to prevent 
the removal. If you ever get aggravated with pastor because I keep emphasizing daily prayer. If you get mad with me because I keep emphasizing reading your Bible on a regular basis. If you get aggravated me because I'm trying to encourage you with your church attendance or whatever arena of focus that I bring up. I sometimes I think I probably sound like a broken record in this church. But the reminder is to prevent removal. And when you do it right, don't just do it once. Do it again and again and again. Someone shout again. Now, you can initially come to church for the wrong reasons, but abandoning church is not the answer. I've had people time after time tell me, you know, I, I, I want to come to church. I came, but I felt like a hypocrite. I want to come to the altar, but I know that I'm just going to go back and relapse. And, and, and so I just, I'd rather just not come to church at all. You know, or maybe some people come to church for the wrong reason because it is some, some guy or some girl or they just want to see, be seen of people. But abandoning the wrong attitude while attending church is the right answer. Abandoning church altogether is not the right answer. I said this on Wednesday to the young people that, you know, sometimes people come to church because they want to. Sometimes people come to church because they're forced to. And in the case of the woman that was caught in adultery, she was forced into the presence of Jesus. And some, maybe some people here, you've been forced to come to church today. You didn't really want to and you're not excited to. But I promise you, whether you wanted to or whether you were forced to, the best place you can find yourself is in the proximity of Jesus. Just ask that woman that was caught in the most embarrassing moment in her life. She was put on the execution slot. She's ready to die. But because someone forced her to Jesus and because she found herself in the presence of Jesus, she found favor and forgiveness and redemption. And Jesus boldly declared to her, you can go and sin no more. Is anyone thankful you've been forced to church at some point in your life? Is anyone thankful that you're here in the house of God today? Amen. Amen. I, I want to go over a little recap since I haven't preached here on a Sunday in four weeks. I've been here every single one of those Sundays, but God divinely has orchestrated and appointed and sent evangelists and voices to this church for one month. And I want to recap some of those things that they have stated so we do not lose them because what is not repeated can be removed. I want to make sure we do not lose what we heard. And I said this as well, that what they preached was not so much revelation. It was confirmation of what the Lord has been speaking to this church throughout the year. Quick recap, as Brother Fletcher preached about, we are in a spiritual warfare of the mind. And there was a strong highlight and emphasis on fear. And you've heard that theme throughout the year by voice after voice, sermon after sermon of how we battle fear, the tactic of the enemy and our flesh. We need to conquer the spirit of this area that Brother Chris Green preached about. The spirit of this area, he said, was lust. And not so much as we like to jump and default to sexual temptation, but just the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, the ways of this world. People focus on self and their impulses and their own desires. And that is the spirit that we are in. And he says the way to defeat the spirit of this area is 
is through sacrificial teaching, sacrificial giving, sacrificial praying. And God is calling us through that to sacrifice greater than we ever have before. Brother Kirk Peters came and he preached about the sacrifice of praise. There seems to be a theme of fighting fear and us crucifying our flesh and going the extra mile to sacrifice. God is calling us to a greater level of sacrifice. You'll hear me talk a little bit about it today in this sermon and throughout the weeks to come because I believe God is calling this church to a season of fasting for the opening of January and February. I know that right now your flesh is already tightened up. You've already made up your mind. I'm going to put a few more donuts in before January comes, but I'm telling you, God is calling us to a higher level of sacrifice. I don't know if you ever heard of a preacher named Billy Cole, one of the most amazing men of God that uh, in our modern time. He has since died and passed on. If you have an opportunity to look him up on YouTube and just kind of listen to some videos and sermons by Billy Cole, he is an incredible apostle of God in my estimation. Here's something he stated when he was at a conference. He said, I see a lot of young preachers out there. You're dressed real sharp. You probably noticed most of you can out-preach me. And everyone just was quiet as he stared at him and he was silent. And then he finished his sentence saying this, but not a one of you can out-sacrifice me. He was never under the impression he was smarter than anyone or more talented anyone or can out-preach anyone. But the reason why a man of God like that was in settings where over 3,000 would get the Holy Ghost, over 30,000 people would get the Holy Ghost in one service, after 1 million people would get the Holy Ghost in Ethiopia on a crusade, I'm telling you, that came from a man that learned how to sacrifice. God is calling us to greatness, but we can never get to the level of greatness without a level of sacrifice. Someone say amen. I also stated this a few weeks back that any resistance or reluctance, please listen to this. Any resistance or reluctance is not your spirit. It is your flesh for your spirit is willing. It is your flesh that is weak. So please, anytime you hear a strong preach word of God or off the side pastor and you uh, talking about, you know, some things, some consecrations. And I know there's going to be something that rises within you that is a level of frustration, aggravation or resistance. But take note of that and document and say, let me think about this. Is that a godly reaction or is that a fleshly reaction? Because however we react, it's stemming from something. Your spirit is willing. Your flesh is weak. So we must know that and crucify it. Why so much sacrifice? Because the season and the region in which we are living in. Breakthroughs don't happen through average. Breakthroughs happen through sacrifice. You and I, my friend, we are in the trenches. We are in the front line. We right now are in a warfare. We are in a place where we have yet to break through. I was just visiting with a, a, a man from Texas that's with us today. He goes to church down uh, in, in Texas and he's up here for work and And he was just telling me how surprised he was just as as he was visiting churches at Brother Puckett's church up in Valley City, North Dakota and Aberdeen. They handed a card in North Dakota that had a list of all the churches in the region. And it just kind of shocked him to think about there's so few churches and there's half the amount of churches here than there is there in the United Pentecostal Church. 
And it's just because this is the region, the territory. It is the last frontier of Pentecost that we have yet to break through. But we have a promise from God for this region. And this promise that we have comes from a God who cannot lie. We shall break forth. We shall have revival. We shall see abundance. We shall see the spirit of the Lord reign. Someone shout hallelujah. Hallelujah. But breakthrough doesn't come through average. Breakthrough comes through sacrifice. And as Jared preached a number of weeks ago that we are digging ditches. You are here on purpose. We don't get to select the time in which we live. Just like the greatest generation did not get to choose to be born during World War I or World War II. They didn't get to choose to be teenagers, 18, 21 years old at that time. And they got to lose a lot of luxury and pleasure for the sake of them giving their lives so we can live in a time of luxury and pleasure. That is the same way it is with you and I. We are in world. War three in the Great Plains region. We are in World War three in these northern parts. And I know we would just like to kind of coast and have fun at church and just kind of goof off and just kind of sit and like sponges and soak in. But God's not calling us to be sponges on a pew. God is calling us to be vessels to pour out conduits in which this Holy Ghost springs of living water flow through so we can build this waste place so we can see revival in this land. There is much battle. We are a David generation trying to win war so our children, Solomon, can live in the most prosperous time in this area. I felt the Holy Ghost speak to me so very clearly. They will grow up in the most powerful church in the Great Plains. I'm going to reiterate that. If you need to write it down, write it down and don't forget it. Our children, we have a lot of young kids in this place. They are going to be growing up in the most powerful church because Because the greatest generation of adults is sitting in this place saying, you know what? I want to find a sword. I want to find a shovel. I want to go to battle. I want to build a wall. I want to do something mighty for God. We already know that this region, South Dakota, is the number one death uh, uh, by alcohol. We already learned a lot of statistics about this region and area. We started a Christian intervention program. There is a terrible epidemic of meth and opioids that are happening right now. We got people that are drunk in and out of our jail system. We got children that never see their parents other than visitation in the jail. That is not the will of God. Sin is having its way so easily in this area. But I'm looking at a generation of warriors saying it's time we turn the tide. It's time we have a breakthrough. It's time we have revival. We need to see that bigger picture and start painting. You are a part of a generation during war and where we are living You're not living in Canada where we never go to war. You are in South Dakota where there is war. We are in spiritual war. Luke 145, the good news is that blessed is that person that believes because there's going to be a performance of those things which were told you from the Lord. This verse in Luke 145 is speaking to Mary 
when Elizabeth and Mary joined together, and the Bible says that the baby leapt in Mary's uh, in Elizabeth's womb as she came in the proximity of Jesus. Man, if a if a child in some embryonic stage can recognize how to react in the presence of Jesus, we ought to know how to react when we are in the proximity of Jesus. If a child can leap in a mother's womb because it's close to Jesus, I think it'd be all right if an adult in this house today just kind of leap one every once in a while saying, I'm in the presence of Jesus. But here was the proclamation that blessed is the person that believes. And that's the only reason why Mary conceived of the Holy Spirit, because she believed what the Holy Spirit can do. And I believe if we would believe, there's a blessing in our believing. So position yourself to hear from God and plant yourself to see the performance of God. You got to position yourself to believe and to hear from God. You cannot hear from God constantly plugged into this world. Disc- Disconnect from the world. Disconnect from media. Disconnect from the things that are so trivial and do not matter. And plug into the things of God. Position yourself strategically to hear from God. You want to hear from God? Position yourself in an altar. You want to hear from God? Position yourself in a prayer room in your house. You want to hear from God? We must strategically position ourselves. And when we position ourselves to hear from God... There's a blessing if you believe what you heard from God. But plant yourself to be there to see the performance. you got to make sure that no matter what, hell, high water, I don't even know what that means. But I am not moving till I see God perform that which he promised. See, faith is a substance of things hoped for. As we talk about, again, faith here in Hebrews 11, 1, 2, and 6. Faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. To have the revival we speak of, it must be believed before it is birthed, before it begins. And so right now, as we talk about having a church of a 1,000, a church of 2,000, about starting six daughter works throughout this uh, region, as we begin to talk about things like that, we are not going to see it. We first got to believe it. We got to be persuaded in our, that's the substance of faith, is believing something that has yet to be, something that is yet to materialize. And any elders you honor or respect that accomplish something from God, that is how they obtained a good report. As the writer of Hebrews said in verse 2, by faith, that is how our elders obtained a good report. I want to get a good grade on my report card with Jesus when I stand in the principal's office. When I stand before the Prince of Peace, I want to hear him say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. I know that when we talk about sacrifice and warfare and things like that spiritually, it doesn't sound like a joy but the sacrifice you do now on the other side you're going to enter into the joy of the lord it's going to be worth it all some beautiful some happy day oh it's going to be worth every long mile every heartache and every trial it's going to be worth it all come on can we lift our hands can we lift our voices jesus Someone shout again, faith. You say, I got some faith. Well, I'm telling you to remind yourself to get some faith again. See, without faith, it's impossible to please God. 
If you're going to come to God, you've got to believe he is. And don't just believe that he exists. Believe that in his existence, he rewards those that diligently, constantly, sincerely pursue after him. God rewards those who come into his presence again and again and again. And again, see, people that quit on God because he, he didn't come through the first time, the second time, or the third time, that's not, again, faith. That is some uh, quantitative faith where you just kind of have, well, if he doesn't do it in this many times, then I'm done with him. That's not real faith. Real faith is coming back again and again. And God rewards those that diligently seek after him. We read here in the book of Acts, chapter 14, verses 19 through 23. I'm more than halfway down with my sermon. So just relax. You're going to have a good time. There came certain Jews to Antioch and Iconium, or from Antioch and Iconium. This is where they kicked Paul out of the city. And they persuaded the people in the city that Paul was preaching to and doing mighty things for God. And they dragged Paul out of the city and they stoned him to death. And they saw him under that pile of rocks, all bloodied, all bruised, all swollen. And they leave because they can, they're convinced he is dead. I personally do believe he died, in my opinion, and God raised him up. But that's neither here nor there. But as he is under that pile of rocks, dead, completely rejected of people. Howbeit, as the disciples stand riding about him, ready to do their funeral procession, Paul rises up and he goes back into that city. And the next day he goes with Barnabas to Derby. When they preached the gospel to that city, he had taught many and returned again to Lystra. Iconium, Antioch. You want to talk about again faith? After the very places just kicked you out. After the very places just stoned you to death. Instead of just, you know, kind of uh, uh, the, the faith that kind of has all these stipulations and criteria for God to meet. I'll only love God so much if he does that, 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 or if God does that, but then I'll believe him and serve him. But here he is absolutely rejected and kicked out of the city, stoned and left for dead. And the Bible says he went back to those cities again. What would happen if an again faith rose within this church where everyone that's ever rejected you and mocked you for your faith and said no to your invitation to come to church and turn down your Bible study and turn down your, uh, your uh, making a, a prayer for them. Anyone that's ever pushed you away and say stop calling me, stop talking to me. What if you just got up and went back to them again and talked to them again? Here's what's so incredible in this again faith of Paul in verse 22. Paul, who was just left for dead under a pile of rocks, he preaches the gospel. In verse 22, he confirms the souls of the disciples and he exhorts them. He encourages them to continue in the faith. We go through a little hell and we're ready to throw our faith away. Here's a man left under a pile of rocks and he goes to the church that wasn't persecuted. He goes to the people that weren't rejected. He goes to the people that didn't have stones thrown at him and he encourages them. What a conundrum. The irony of that. A man that was dead, a man that is broken, a man that probably has cheekbones caved in and lost vision and sight and he's got black eyes and no doubt some teeth knocked out is now encouraging those people in their health and God forbid we get a wart on our finger and we're ready to stop serving God. 
Oh, God, I didn't get that pay raise or that job transfer. I didn't get that promotion, Lord. Do you even exist? The things we complain about, and we've never been stoned. Rocks thrown at us, left for dead. And Paul comes back because he has an again faith. And look at this. Because Paul got back up. Here is the result. He ordained elders in every church and they had prayer and they had fasting and commended people to the Lord whom they believed. I'm telling you, if we would just get an again faith inside of us, there will be some ordination services that take place to a new church plant, to a new daughter work. What would happen if we just got up again after being rejected and say, you know what? I'm going back and I'm going to encourage my friend James. And one day in the name of Jesus, James is going to be an ordained minister of the gospel. And one day James is going to plant a church. Why? Because we got up again. We didn't quit. We didn't back down or retreat. We didn't have just situational faith, but we had a faith saying, I'm coming back again. I'm going again. I'm not quitting. I'm not giving up. Come on, can we lift our hands? The Holy Ghost is in this room. Oh, would you lift your voice? Come on, don't let this space surrender your praise. Don't let empty chairs intimidate you from lifting your voice. Don't let a guest, someone sitting next to a peer or a friend, silence you. Lift your voice, O Zion. Travail in the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. 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 Look. You can't get a gain unless you do it again. You, there's no gain. There's no profit unless you do it again. A little play on words, but the point hopefully is taken. There is, you can't get a gain unless you do it again and again and again. And eventually, you're going to get traction. Eventually, there's going to be conversion. Eventually, there's going to be repentance. Eventually, there's going to be baptism. Eventually, there's going to be transformation. Eventually, there's going to be regeneration by the power of the baptism of the Holy Ghost. If you're here today and you feel like you're ready to quit and you're just struggling, you don't know anything about church, you're new to the church, if you don't like the life you were born in, again, faith. You could be born again. That's the kind of God we serve. You don't like what life has handed you. You could be born again. You don't like the life you're in right now. You can walk in the newness of life. We serve a God of again. We serve a God of regeneration. We serve a God that doesn't leave you in the grave, but on the third day, he rises again. We serve a God of an again faith. Someone say amen. Can we lift our hands? Can we lift our voice together? Come on, church. I'm just about done. Come on. Could you lift your voice? Would you cry out to Jesus? Come on, lift your voice beyond a whisper. Come on, don't just look at me. Lift your voice. Talk to Jesus. 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 See, you and I. We can start off wrong 
and still get it right after we repent. Esau lost the blessing again and again. But eventually he reached a point where he cried out of desperation to his father. He says, have you not reserved yet one blessing? Oh boy, lost his birthright. He despised it. Oh boy, lost his blessing. He wasn't diligent in the, the pursuit of it. But after again and again failing, he reached that point and said, please, I must be blessed. I don't want to lose a blessing again. And by faith in Hebrews 11, the Bible says Jacob blessed, or uh, yeah, Jacob, or um, whatever the father blessed uh, Jacob and Esau. Isaac doesn't just bless Jacob, even though he blessed him. He went even further, and by faith, he blessed Esau as well. Or how about Samson? You want to talk about a guy who did it wrong more than once? Went to Delilah once. Then he went to her again. Then he went to her again. Then he went to her again. And each time, she was getting closer to the core of his conviction and completely sold him out and messed his life up just just totally. But he has again faith. And in the process of being humiliated by losing again and again and again, he cried out and said, God, would you just restore my strength again? Just one last time, would you give me that strength? And his hair began to grow back, and he became stronger, and he conquered more in his closing moment in life than he did in his entire lifetime. You could even start off right, and there's no miracle in sight. Israel marched around Jericho, and nothing happened, but they did it again and again and again. And again, and eventually, by obeying what God promised, they saw God's performance because they did not stray away from that which he promised. Our problem is we don't see the performance, and so we start walking away from the promise. But I'm here to let you know right now, keep doing what God promised, and eventually you'll see the performance. And that's what happened for Israel as they marched around the walls of Jericho. Or Naaman, he had a promise that he would be healed of leprosy. He dipped the first time in the water. Nothing. The second time in the water. Nothing. The third time. Nothing. And you know the story, and if you're not familiar, seven times that man dipped in the water, and he saw no performance of God's promise until the seventh time, and he had brand new flesh. Elijah prayed and said, I hear a sound of an abundance of rain. And he prayed, and he said, rain's coming. And the man looks, and there's nothing. But he prayed again. And he sent forth out the servant to go see if any rain was coming. Nothing. Again and again. Doing the right thing, but not seeing a miracle in sight. We walk by faith, not by sight. We step out by faith, not by feeling. But if you keep anchoring faith in the promised word of God, eventually God's word returns not void, but it accomplishes that which it was sent out to do. God is going to perform that which he promised. Would you clap your hands to the Lord? You can get it wrong the first time and get it right later. I'm going to hurry up to a close as fast as I can here. 
Moses got it wrong the first time. If you're not familiar with this, Moses is the only man in your Bible that did a 40-day fast twice. Three people did a 40-day fast in your Bible. And um, you had Elijah, you had Jesus, and you had Moses. And of those three, Moses was the only one that did a 40-day fast twice. What a What a cross to bear, huh? His first fast didn't accomplish what it needed to accomplish. That first fast, you know, he sought the law. But the second fast, he sought God. First time after the first fast, he snapped on the congregation. I think I, too, if my stomach had the grumblies and you step down and you see everyone eating and having fun without you. But their perceived idea of fun was paganism. They were worshiping a false god. And so... You know, the, 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 the old story goes, who was the worst man in the Bible? Moses. He broke all Ten Commandments at once. And so here's Moses coming down with the law of God, the Ten Commandments, the two tablets, and he sees all of Israel worshiping a false god. And he takes those stones and throws them. The very thing he fasted for for 40 days, he just shattered on the ground in frustration. But the second time he went up, he went up there seeking the glory of God, wanting to see the face of God. The first time he came back from his 40-day fast, he snapped on the congregation. But the second time he came back to the church, the second time he came back to the congregation, he was glowing. He was emanating with the glory of God because his motive in the fast was to get a hold of God, not just to get a hold of information in the word and get mad when people don't follow the word. But he just said, God, no matter where I go in life, I don't want to go unless you go with me. I don't want to do anything unless you're in it. God, you're all that matters. These people, they got a stiff neck. God, these people sometimes don't listen to anything I'm saying. But God, I can make it as long as I got you. As long as I can see your glory. As long as I can walk with you. As long as I can talk with you. Show me your glory. And so he went to a fast the second time, pursuing the glory of God. And he got it. If you would allow me to be a little transparent with you. I wouldn't say honest because that means other times maybe I'm being dishonest, but a little more vulnerable. If I could just step in a glass house and, you know, I've been doing a lot of, of praying and seeking the Lord. And, uh, you know, we, we've been at it for 11 years here in Watertown, right, Bird Doug? Just some hard knock life. As Tyler, uh, wonderful guest here today, I was visiting with before service and they, were, they, they found us online and he was, he knew more of our story than I even remember because he was reading our bio online about kind of what's the history of this church. And he's like, yeah, man, that's crazy. You, you guys and just one other person going at it. I'm like, oh, yeah, it was crazy. Good times. And um, I remember our first, first time we did a revival service where we made a push to see, to see something happen in this community. And we were doing evangelism, outreach, Bible studies, etc. But it was our first with the title on it, Revival. And we 
uh, for 40 days. Brother Doug, you probably remember this. We, we went on a church fast. And I, I don't receive this in the spirit in which I, I give it, okay? This is not boasting. This is not self-grandizing. But I was desperate for a breakthrough. And so I went on a 40-day fast. Not, not, not like, you know, a, a Daniel diet where you get to stuff yourself with salad for 40 days where you got ranch coming out of your ears. I'm talking about a 40-day fast. And I fasted until my belly button fell off. It was, it was, it was, it, I've never been through anything like that. And we finally had our evangelist come. And we opened up the doors of the church. And nobody came. We, we, even, we even set up the next day, we, we, we set up a, a free hot dog stand. We got some people to put on some, some uh, a sandwich board signs saying free barbecue, free food. You know, if you want to get people, you just give them free food, right? And so we're standing out on Highway 20 with sandwich boards saying free food. Not one person came to our free food. And after that whole fast, I can't tell you how defeated I was. There's one guy who did come. It was a friend of Brother Doug's, uh, and, um, and he came. It was funny. He came, and he, he brought living water. That was his company. He was doing a door-to-door sales of this water filtration system you install in your sink, and uh, it would, like, heal you of cancer or something. And uh, this amazing water because it takes out cyanide or something in your water. And so living water was the name of his door-to-door sales water filtration. It's the only guy. We're trying to give him living water, and he's trying to give us living water. Only difference is our living water didn't cost $1,000. That'd be the only difference. And anyways, I can't tell you how defeated, how frustrated, how, how much I was scratching my head. And I even went on fast after that, 21-day fast, multiple times. And nothing happened. And I, I, I'm trying to keep my composure here a little bit. But I was talking to a man of God on the phone earlier this week. And this is, this is what he told me. As we were talking about fasting, I'm just kind of talking about the season that I feel God's leading our church into what to be doing as we, we turn the year. And I was just, I was afraid to tell him, I'm afraid to push a fast for out of fear of nothing happening. And I, you know, I'm, I'm the annoying pastor that keeps preaching against fear, right? But after you keep doing something and it doesn't happen, you kind of get frustrated. And so it's like, why push a fast when these past fasts, nothing materializes? And here's what he said the Holy Ghost told him. He says, your first 40-day fast gave you authority and breakthrough nationally. Your next 40-day fast will give you authority and breakthrough locally. That may not mean much to you, but I'll tell you what it means to me. For whatever God's own sovereign way, he's taken this tiny little church that I pastor and has opened these doors for me to travel nationally and preach all over this this country. But I'm going to let you in on a secret. That's not my goal. That's not my objective. That's not my passion. That's not what keeps me up at night. That's not what wakes me up in the morning. What I want to see is a breakthrough locally. And he said, what you did before was for your voice to be heard nationally. 
But what your church is about to do is going to change things locally this time around. I'm here to let you know. I know you may have tried some things spiritually before, and they may not have seemed to materialize, but God is calling you to do it again. If you would step out by obedience and faith to the word of God and just try it again, God is going to do something locally. God is going to do something here and now in this shift that this church is in, in this new season that we are walking into. Would you hear the word of the Lord and would you receive it into your spirit? Some of you have been praying for your family members. Some of you have been teaching Bible studies and it doesn't seem like anything's happening. You're about to quit and wonder if if it's even worth making the effort. But God would have you to know if you would get in again faith and go one more time at it. One more. Give church another chance. Give prayer another chance. Give Bible study another chance and God is about to break forth God is about to come through see I did it wrong the first time it wasn't in vain because things came from it that I did not see or understand But really, I thought I could strong arm God into revival. But the truth is, you can't strong arm God into revival. But if you seek his face, you'll get his hand as well. The enemy is telling you it didn't work because he fears it will work. The enemy of our mind that Fletcher talked about, that fear factor in our mind. The devil is telling you, don't do it. It's a waste of your time. You're going to get the same results. The enemy's telling you it didn't work because he fears it will work. The devil wants to attack your territory so you don't attack his. He tries speaking in your head, but you need to speak to the air, which is his territory, for he is the prince of the power of the air and attack it. Here's why this is important. I'm just about done right now. If you're on their territory, they are on defense and you are on offense. But if you allow the devil to attack your territory, the fear in your mind and keep talking in your mind and preventing you from going to that extended fast and preventing you from witnessing and inviting someone to church and prevent you from discipling someone and prevent if he keeps talking in your mind long enough, you're on the defense and you'll never go out and take new territory. You don't take new territory on defense. You take it on offense. You got to start attacking his territory. That's why even though your personality and your genetic makeup may not like to speak out loud audibly, but that's his territory. And so why don't we shatter his territory and lift up our voice and say, in the name of Jesus, I come against you right now in the name of the Lord. You come to me with the shield. You come to me with the spear. You come to me with intimidation. You come to me with fear. You come to me with insecurity. But I come to you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and no weapon formed against me shall prosper. I wish somebody would pick up the sword of the spirit. I wish somebody would shout unto God with the voice of triumph. 
Let's stand together in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. David was silent to criticism out of respect from where the criticism came. He honored the position of his elder brother's criticism. He honored the position of his father's hesitation to him being promoted. He honored the criticism of King Saul because of his position. But when it came to the enemy and the enemy talked, he wouldn't listen to the enemy's threats. David stopped letting the enemy talk and David started doing the talking. Sometimes our approach can be done right the first time, but if it doesn't work the first time, let's do it again and again. That's why David stepped down and out of that brook, he grabbed five smooth stones. In case it didn't work the first time, he's going to do it again. And he's going to do it again. And he's going to do it again. And it's because he knew eventually it's going to land because God promised it. He knew something's going to stick along the way. And sure enough, sometimes it works the first time. Maybe you've never done a fast in your life. Maybe you've never prayed for 30 minutes in your life. I'm telling the good news is it might work the first time you just try it. It might work the first time you step out by faith. It worked the first time Jesus, that brother Doug called on the name of Jesus and Jesus healed him of marijuana. He hasn't looked back since that day. He asked God to take away the Sometimes it works the first time, but make up in your mind. I'm going to keep going again and again and again. Let's gather around the front of this altar. I want us to gather up front here. We're going to pray. Ah, the Holy Ghost is here. Ah. See, Jesus didn't have to do a, a second 40-day fast. He did it right the first time. And then he just walked in it. I'm telling you, you could do something right the first time and forever walk in it. And Jesus, on that 40-day fast, he interacted with wild beasts, demons, and angels. And Jesus, in that 40-day fast, was given dominion over flesh. He was given dominion over demons. And he was given power with the angels. Any sacrifice you make of what we're presenting to you, of a sacrifice of your time, and a sacrifice of your teaching, a sacrifice of your giving, a sacrifice of your worship, a sacrifice in fasting, there is a reward there is a benefit, and you got to trust me. If you forget this, you could ask me later, and I'll give you this equation. But here's the equation I'd like you to remember. Preparation plus consecration equals visitation. Preparation plus consecration is what's going to get us the visitation of the move of God that we're looking for. So what we're doing is we've been preparing ourselves. And we're about to start consecrating ourselves. And when you prepare and you consecrate, the Lord visits. And that is what's going to happen. That's what's going to happen. But I'm asking you right now, as weak in body as you are, as weak in faith as you may feel, as wearied in spirit as you may be, God is calling you to again faith. And try it again. Reach out to that person again. Pray for that person again. Start up a Bible study again. Find a new disciple again. Do something for God again. And if you've never done it before, do it your first time. And make up in your mind, if it doesn't work the first time, I'm going to do it again. 
and again. Will we lift our hands right now? Can we lift our voices right now? God, God in heaven, would you hear us? We are ready, God, as a church in preparation to be a church in consecration. And Lord, I am persuaded of your visitation. Our labor is not in vain. Our labor is invested. Holy Ghost right now. Come on, somebody.